So we're continuing our series, which is called The Church is Like, where we're looking at a number of different metaphors of what uh, the Bible tells us that the church is supposed to be like. And uh, we've said that we want to do this series as we kind of get things up and running again to remind ourselves of this beautiful, amazing picture of what the church was always created to be. And uh, I have already been struck by just how incredible it is when you think about just the images that we've already looked at, when you think about the reality that as a church, we're here to be the best version of spiritual family for people. That's one of the key pictures that the Bible gives us of what the church is supposed to be about. That we're supposed to be like a body where we are working together, uh, where we're appreciating each other, where we're coming, coming under the headship of Jesus and being able to do the work that he's got for us where, as we talked about last week, we replaced the Old Testament version of the temple, which is really, really amazing, that we're now the place where people have the opportunity to encounter God in a tangible way, the place where people have the opportunity to receive forgiveness and to be able to experience the freedom that would have come by going to the temple and uh, placing sacrifices. That's just three of the snapshots, and we've still got more that we're going to do. It's really astounding when you stop and think about what the church is supposed to be like. There are so many amazing pictures of what we're all about. So today we're going to have a look at another one, which is that the church is like a beehive. Now, it might surprise you that the Bible doesn't actually use this metaphor. So (laughs) the church is not described as a beehive in the Bible, uh, but we're going to talk about that in the context of being called priests and the reality that all of us are set apart to do God's work. And so we'll talk a bit more about that as we go through, but that's where we're heading. So we're going to have a look at a couple of verses that we looked at last week, but look at them from a different perspective. So First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. It says, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honour. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. And then a few verses later on, in verse 9, Peter also says, you're not like that, the way that he's described people who are kind of all over the place, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So last week we unpacked part of those first couple of verses where we talked about that we have replaced the Old Testament version of the temple. And we talked about the temple was a place where you would go, where you could encounter God's presence in a tangible and real way, where you could have an encounter with the sacred, something that was bigger than yourself, a bigger story than just yourself, and to be able to connect with God, who is obviously bigger than just ourselves. And also that it was the place where you could go and make sacrifices and then receive forgiveness and freedom because of that. So there's a level of being able to unload burdens when you went to the temple. And we talked about how that's what we're now called to be as the church, that we replace that whole system and now we, as the people of God, have the privilege of offering that to the people who encounter us. But some key people who were involved in the work of the temple were these people called priests. And so here again, we recognise that when Peter is writing what he's writing to the people that he's writing to, they would have instantly understood exactly what he was trying to get at. But for us, when we think about priests, 
we could have all sorts of different things that come to mind for us. I know I have some biased perspectives about what that is and one of the reasons why I don't like being called a priest. So there's all sorts of different things that we might project onto this. So we want to go back to the original context of what this was all about and understand a little bit about what Peter's readers would have understood when he says, you are now taking the place of the priests. So the priests in the temple were the ones who had direct access to God. They were the only ones who were allowed to go into what's called the Holy of Holies, the centre place of the temple, the place where it was understood that God's presence dwelt in a really, really powerful way. The priests were the only ones who were allowed to go in there. You had to be a very special person who was set apart, holy, in order to be able to have that sense of connection for God. In having that connection with God, you therefore had a whole bunch of responsibility on behalf of the Israelite people, that you represented the Israelites to God. So the Israelites kind of had this standoffish relationship with God, where they had to have a mediator, they had to have someone to go between them and God. There were some prayers that they could do and some things that they could do by themselves. But the majority of what they needed to do was through a priest. They needed to go to a priest and then trust that the priest was going to pray on their behalf, engage with God on their behalf. We also talked about the idea of bringing offerings and sacrifices as a part of the practice that people had going into the temple. And the priests were obviously the ones who would receive those offerings and receive those sacrifices. So if you had some things that you needed to unload, so you knew that you'd made some mistakes, there were some ways in which you weren't living the way that you knew that you should, then you would go to the temple and you would confess to the priest and you would say, these are the things that I've done wrong. And the priest would say, okay, well, in order for you to be made right with God, to have your relationship restored, these are the things that you need to do. And often that would include a sacrifice of some kind. And so you would then go and buy whatever was required for that sacrifice, you'd bring it back to the priest and the priest would then make that sacrifice on your behalf. Sounds pretty complex, doesn't it? But that's the reality of the way in which things worked in the Old Testament temple. We also know that priests were people who were fully dedicated to God. This is what their whole lives were all about. So this wasn't just like a volunteer role that they helped out with from time to time. This was their entire life. When they got up, they were a priest. All the way through their day, they were a priest. When they went to bed, they were a priest. That was what their whole life was all about. So put yourself in the shoes of someone who's hearing this, that you know that, you know what the the temple is all about. And Peter's saying, you as the people of God have replaced the temple. But now he takes that a step further and says, not only have you replaced the temple, you also have taken the role of priests. You've all got a promotion. Congratulations. You're all now welcome as priests, as a part of the temple. And so your brain would start spinning, thinking about all of the amazing implications that are part of that. First and foremost is the reality that you don't need someone to go on your behalf to God. Because of Jesus, you have direct access to God in the same incredible way that priests have been able to go into the Holy of Holies and have an encounter with God. We're told because of Jesus, every one of us can have that experience anytime, anywhere. That alone is really, really staggering. We don't need anyone else to be our mediator. We don't need anyone else to pray on our behalf. We can do all of this directly with God ourselves. We're also, Peter says, given the responsibility now of offering spiritual sacrifices. 
So here Peter is kind of clarifying some things for us and we talked last week about the temple and that Peter talks about us being living stones, recognising that we're not called to build this building that's called a new temple. We, as we live our lives, are the people who make up the temple as a living, alive entity And Peter also says, don't worry, you're not now required to be priests who now sacrifice animals on behalf of other people. That's not your responsibility. You're here to offer spiritual sacrifices. And so what he's really saying here is that our whole lives now become a sacrifice. Instead of having to go and sacrifice something else, our whole lives now become about something that's sacrificed to God. But again, we're not doing that in order to make up for things. We don't sacrifice ourselves in the hope that God might accept us. We do this more actually as an offering, as a way of saying, God, thank you for everything you've done for me. Here's my life as an offering and a sacrifice. Use it for what you want to do. And Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And I love the message translation of this verse. It's one of my favourite verses in the Bible. Paul says, here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. That's a beautiful picture of what being a living sacrifice is all about. The idea of us offering spiritual sacrifices is communicated beautifully there by Paul. As he says, take your everyday, ordinary life, all of the things that we just take for granted. It's not about doing the special things. Everything that we do, place it before God as an offering. And say, thank you, God, for all that you've done. Here's my life. Use it for what it is that you want to do. So practically speaking, what does that actually look like? Well, if we think about the things that we do during the week. So for some of us, we have jobs that we go to. So our work, for some of us, we go to school or uni. So our study, for others of us, we're involved in lots of different volunteering roles. And so we go to different places and we serve in different ways. All of that is placed before God as an offering to be able to say, God is here with me in my workplace, in my school, in my uni, in this place that I'm volunteering. God is here with me and I have direct access to God right now in this moment. God's at work right now in this moment. So what's God up to and how do I have the opportunity to be able to partner with him and participate in the work that he's already doing? How do I use this as an opportunity to help other people to encounter God's love, to encounter God's peace? How can I be a peace creator in whatever it is that I do throughout the week? What does it look like for me to practice servanthood in all of the different places that I go? What does it look like for me to be a good steward of what God has given me to do, whether that's work or study or volunteering? How do I make the most of that time? Recognising that particularly if it's work, that's a part of God's provision for me. And so how do I make sure that I'm being a good steward of what God has given me? Place that before God as an offering. Think about it a different way. I know many of you are avid gardeners and you love gardening. So placing your gardening before God as an offering is an opportunity that you have week in and week out as well. It's the opportunity to again recognise that as I spend time in the garden, God's here with me. This is an opportunity for me to participate in the work that God does. Isn't it amazing that God trusts us to be the ones who look after his creation? That's staggering. The God who created the universe trusts us to be the ones who are custodians 
of this amazing earth. That's an amazing opportunity for us to put ourselves before God as an offering and so use this time. It's an opportunity for me to tap into God's creativity. And as I spend time looking at all the different plants in the garden and all the different flowers and all the things that are happening this time of the year as buds start to appear and all the trees around us, we recognise God's amazing imagination. And so we can tap into that and say, God, help me to get wrapped up and embrace that and help other people to see with amazing eyes all of the incredible things that you do. Paul talks about the idea of eating being a part of us offering ourselves before God. And I know for some of us, we're very excited about that. That's great. Eating is a good thing for us to be able to do and we should be excited about it. But again, as we eat meals, we have the opportunity to recognise God's with us in the midst of us eating. Now, this is, again, an opportunity for us to recognise how incredible God's creativity is, all of the different food that we get to eat, all of the different tastes. The fact that we even have taste buds is staggering. They have no purpose other than to help us experience how awesome food is. This is an opportunity to place ourselves before God as an offering. If we're eating with other people, we have the opportunity to recognise that God's there with us and to turn that into a time of being able to share together. And again, it doesn't have to be this super spiritual time, but just talking about what's going on. How has my day been? What are the good things that have happened? What are the challenges that I've faced? As we catch up with people throughout the week, we have the opportunity to do the same thing. Again, we can be reminded about God's provision for us. The fact that we even have food to be able to eat means that we are very fortunate because there are lots of people around the world who don't. Our eating times can be a time of placing ourselves before God as an offering. One last example, Paul also talks about our walking around life and uh, so we can think about the idea of exercise and the stuff that we do in our free time as well. And I know this is a really important one for me because sometimes we can get wrapped up in thinking, yes, I'll place myself before God as an offering, uh, but that's all about all of the things that I do. What we want to recognise with this is that God is just as passionate about us and loves us just as much when we're not doing as he does when we're in full work mode. That God loves us when we're just resting, when we're doing recreation, when we're doing things that help to restore us. God loves us just as much. And so those moments are an opportunity for us to connect with God in a tangible way and to recognise we have direct access to him, but also to be able to recognise that that access is not dependent on us achieving for God. It's because God loves us and wants a deep relational connection with us. So all of those things are wrapped up in just these two simple words, spiritual sacrifices. That's what Peter's communicating. It's what Paul talks about with the idea of being living sacrifices. Every part of our life is an opportunity for us to connect with God, to be able to say, God, what are you up to? How can I learn more about you? And how can I participate in the work that you're doing? But we do want to go a little bit further than this and recognise again that the priests were the ones who were responsible for doing God's work. And so we understand that that's now our responsibility. That's the privilege that's been given to us as people who are part of the church. We are now God's workers. And so Peter talks about the idea that we are people who have the opportunity to show people the goodness of God. That's what doing God's work looks like. Helping people to understand that the God that we serve is a good God and that there are lots of good things to focus on with him. 
Peter also talks about how we've been taken from darkness into light. And so we're people who bring light into all of the places that we go. That's part of the work that we do, helping people to see things clearly, helping people to see the way ahead. We have the opportunity to be God's workers, to be there as we head out into the world with all of the different people that we connect with and all the relationships that we have. But there's a balance here that we want to hold on to, to say our lives are wrapped up in this idea, just like priests, their whole lives were wrapped up in being God's workers. We can kind of go, oh, great. And I'm sure none of you have ever had this experience before. I have to go to work today. I'm sure none of you have ever felt that before. We can kind of project that onto our work for God. Oh, great, I've got to do stuff for God today. It's a big obligation that weighs me down and now I'm exhausted. We don't want to tap into that. We want to be able to say we, every day, get the privilege of participating and partnering in the work that God does. Not because we're trying to earn anything, not because God's going to love us more, not because there's a paycheck on the end of it, but because God has swept us up in his work and all of us have the privilege now of being able to be his workers. So, the church is like a beehive then. Let's transition across to that. This comes out of the workshops that we did last year where we had a number of different people who came along to, a number of you were there, uh, our workshops where we talked about what are some helpful metaphors that aren't necessarily biblical metaphors that help us to understand who we are as a church and who we want to be as a church. So a couple of weeks ago we talked about the image of an orchestra, recognising that was a really helpful metaphor for some of us. But one of the other metaphors that we latched onto was the idea of being a beehive. And when people unpacked why they felt like that was helpful, they talked about the idea that in a beehive there's lots and lots of activity, there's lots of stuff that's going on around the place, there's people who are coming and going, and so people felt like this was a helpful metaphor for us to be able to hold on to. And when you think about a beehive, it is actually very, very profound. A beehive is not something that's just static and stays there. When you think about a beehive, you think about activity, a buzz, stuff happening. So we recognise that that's part of what beehives are all about. But when you understand more about bees, and I did a little, like, this much research on this this week, but it's really amazing what bees do in a hive. So bees clean their hive. I never knew that. So, But they have to clean out all the bits of honeycomb on a regular basis, and so they clean their hive so that it's prepared and ready. They're the ones who then store all of the nectar and all of the pollen that gets brought back in, so they make sure that it's all in the right places there. Uh, they, they protect the hive, so there are bees who are stationed at the start of the hive where the bees come in and out to make sure nothing untoward comes in. And even more profound, I found out bees actually cool down the hive if it's getting too hot and they heat it up if it's getting too cold. This is really, really astounding when you think about this. So bees, incredible, incredible animals. But if the bees just stayed in the hive all the time, they would kind of not be able to do a whole lot. There wouldn't be any pollen or any nectar that would be coming in and so their whole purpose of creating honey would go away and they wouldn't be able to do the things that they do. So bees, we understand, also have this important role of going out. It's not just about staying inside of the hive. It's important that they go out and that they track down pollen and they track down nectar and that they fly around and they bring all of that back to the hive. And so this is a helpful metaphor for us to think about the reality of who we are as a church, that we come in, but we come in so we can do some stuff so that everything's in a good place, but we also get sent out as workers as well. But it is important that we come back. Because again, if all the bees 
just stayed out all the time and said, you know what, I actually really like being out in nature. I'm an outside bee, and so I would prefer to just hang out on the flowers and spend all my time out there. I don't want to come back to the hive, thank you very much. That obviously wouldn't work very well either. So for us, this is helpful to recognise that we have responsibility as God's workers in the hive, the stuff that we do together. Each of us have roles to be able to play here. But each of us also have roles to play out of the hive. As we head out into this week, we've all got roles to be able to play too. And there's this beautiful picture of us working together, of us being able to come in and do some stuff together, being able to head out, being able to come back, being able to head out and come back. It's a really helpful picture of what we talk about when we talk about this idea of us being God's workers. So, same question that we've used throughout this whole series is to be able to reflect a bit about the implications of this. So the question is, what would change if my first thought about us as a church was that we are a beehive? So what would change if this week, as any time you thought about Brooklyn Park Church of Christ, you thought, actually, we're like a beehive? Now, we also, for some of you, it might be helpful to think more about the idea of being priests or about the idea of being workers. So this is all bundled up in the one question there. But here's a few things that might be helpful. And in a moment, again, take some time to be able to reflect on this. So have a think about what's helpful for you. For some of us, this idea of recognising that we have direct access to God is something that's a really big challenge. That actually my relationship with God is not through a mediator, through us here at Brooklyn Park or through anyone else. I have direct access to God, the same as the priest who went into the Holy of Holies. For some of us, that's something helpful for us to reflect on. For others of us, it might be about this idea of being living sacrifices and about offering ourselves as a spiritual sacrifice, placing every part of our life before God as an offering. And there might be something that's jumped out at you to think about this week, I want to focus more on my meals being an opportunity to engage with God or my recreation time or my work or my study, whatever it might be. So there's something there to think about placing your life before God as an offering. For some of us, it is being challenged again about the idea that we are now entrusted with doing God's work. There's no one else who's out there other than the people who are a part of the church who are helping people to discover God's goodness and to discover God's light. That responsibility has been entrusted to us. So for some of us, that's the challenge, to say as I go about my everyday life this week, what does it look like for me to be someone who's bringing God's goodness into different situations and to people's attention, helping people to see things the way that God wants them to be seen? For some of us, it is just that metaphor of recognising that it's not all about what we do here, but it is about what we do out there throughout the week as well. But take some time, you can have a couple of minutes here to be able to uh, have some music on, and so you can jot some thoughts down or you can talk to the person next to you, and uh, just what is one thing that's kind of caught your attention that as we head into this week, it would be helpful for you to think a bit more about, to say, when I think about us as a church, I want to latch onto this metaphor and make sure that I'm embracing that in new ways. So take some time to think about that over the next couple of minutes, and then we'll pray.
So let's pray. God, we're so grateful that you choose us, that you choose to have a direct connection with us. As I think about the complexity of what having a relationship with you looked like in the Old Testament, I'm so grateful that that's not something uh, that I have to deal with on a daily basis. The idea of having to go to a specific place to be able to have any kind of encounter with you and the idea about having to go through someone else to be able to, again, have an encounter or a relationship with you is something that's just so foreign. I'm so grateful and I'm sorry that so often I take it for granted that every day from the moment that I wake up until I go to sleep, there are opportunities to be able to connect with you, that you are wherever we are. That's absolutely staggering. So thank you that you trust us enough to have a relationship with us. Thank you that you've done everything necessary for us to have a full, complete relationship with us because of Jesus. And I pray that you would help us to understand the implications of what it means that you call us your workers. Not in a way that makes us feel all this obligation and feeling weighed down with responsibility, but a sense of being able to say that we're the people who have the privilege of being able to go out into the world and to help people to discover your goodness and your light. I pray that as we head into this week, for each one of us, you'd give us experiences of being able to see the opportunities that you put in front of us to do, uh, to do that and to be that to the people that we engage with, whether that's in a work context, whether that's with our school friends, with our uni friends, with our neighbours, whether that's in volunteer places that we go to, whether that's when we're at the shops, whatever it is that we're doing. Help us to look for those opportunities to do the work that you call us to do. And I pray that you would help us to remember that every moment of our lives can be offered as a spiritual sacrifice to you. That we don't do that out of obligation again. We don't do that so that we can earn anything. We do that because of all that you've done for us. Every day again we've got the privilege to be able to hand our lives back to you and say, I give you this day as an offering. Use it for what it is that you want to do. So as we head into this week, I pray that you would challenge us about that, that you would encourage us and inspire us about what it looks like to live as your workers in this world. In your name we pray. Amen.